Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So this is going to be like a, a uniquely different format. I'm not doing an interview right now. I'm not I'm not interviewing a, a particular person. What we're going to do is do like a live discussion. It's going to be like a topic talk. And it's going to be with Jenny. And to give you a little background who Jenny is, I mean, Jenny is, is one of these people, like once she dives into something, she dives head over heels. And when I first met her, it was just like literally a couple weeks ago through a networking group. And it was through a common person that we knew and kind of hit it off and then the first thing she said to me was like nft 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 and i was just like oh my god i love this woman like where has she been and then come to find out she's on the other side of the world so right now it's 5 a.m her time 4 p.m our time so she's definitely a trooper to get up this early crack crack ass morning early to get on this podcast and earlier this week i did the same thing she had a a webinar and i think the webinar was something like three o'clock so i woke up at like three o'clock in the morning to get on her webinar and she was just delivering so many nuggets i was like okay let's join these forces together and let's just do a live discussion and just talk about nfts but before we dive into that i just want you to kind of tell people a little bit more about who you are so they can kind of get that synergy get that vibe that i got from you that first time we spoke and then let's dive right into it sure thanks first essay big shout out to everyone who's watching and thank you for bringing me on the show i'm so excited i can't believe how much has happened in the last two weeks since you and i spoke a bit of background on me i've been in tech for 20 years so 24 if you count the number of years we serve at university and it's I've tried to leave it, but it's one of those really great relationships that pulls you back. (laughs) The beauty about tech is that it's constantly evolving. And I always found myself in a position where I was helping people to understand it or helping people to translate what they needed to someone who is in the tech world. That as a business analyst, as a consultant, and even when I was working at Garden, I was there for nine years and working with the best minds in the world. And I think the best minds in the world understood the tech, but it was them trying to get the rest of their business on board and saying, this is the new direction. We've seen how tech has changed the world in the last two years. Look at all of us working from home. Who would have thought, right? We'd all be jumping on Zoom just to even speak to our family members. It's been, it's now, per, you know, it completely permeated every inch of our lives. It's undeniable what it's done. And now in this NFT space, which is this whole web point, the 3.0 blockchain crypto, I'm hearing the usual words I hear whenever there's a new tech rolling out. It's a scam. It's a Ponzi scheme. And I was like, come on, if people are making money, how is it possible? And I know that some really good people are making money. How is it possible that it can be a scam or Ponzi scheme? So that's why I decided to dive right into it and figure it out for myself. I made that decision in October of last year. Oh my gosh. And I've told this to the people that I met on Monday in, in that session that I had. I can't, I don't have enough time to get on top of everything. Mm-hmm. So it's just completely being thrown at you. There's so many meetings on Twitter space, on Clubhouse, there's people doing you know, sessions on Eventbrite or in other rooms as well. Just really because this is coming, this is happening and we're in the third wave and what else can we do? And so for me, this is where I find that this is the best opportunity for someone like me who's done this before, been the translator, Mm. to go, let's take this mainstream. 
let's make this easy enough for us to consume. And at the same time, we now know what the gaps are, where the risks are, and how can we better inform anyone else who's not part of the tech world. Most of us are not. Yeah. But we want to catch this wave. So if you're into catching this wave, this is where SA and I decided we're going to start spitballing some ideas, mm. potentials of what we can do with the space and really just take you through, I wouldn't say the tech, but really decomplex the tech. Correct. Yep. Yeah. I think I think definitely. I mean, just listening to your content on Monday and, and hearing the things that you were talking about. And then it dawned on me, I was like, you know, you had some pretty like successful people in the room, but they, it was kind of like half of them had deer in headlights, kind of like this NFT thing. They keep hearing about it and they, they keep thinking crypto and they, and then once they get crypto, then they get scared. But in reality, NFTs, I always say NFTs are essentially it's multiple different things, but starting with the premise of collecting. And if anyone has done any collecting of any single kind of any time in their life, then start with that. Start with something that you understand. So I want you to kind of talk about it a little bit. Like, I mean, you started collecting NFTs as well. Yes, I did. And I am a very, I, I, one of the first things I spoke about in my session on Friday and on Monday was what's your risk profile? Let's start there. My risk profile, you know, whenever, whenever I've met with an investment consultant, it, my risk profile has always been medium. I'm not someone who jumps readily head on. I'm not willing to take high risk in projects that are unfamiliar. I want to see how the project's been doing for a few years. I want to see what the stats are. And then I want to understand a bit more. Where are they investing? Where's the money going? Who are some of the, what, what's one of the reasons they're doing so well or doing poorly? And that's me putting on a business hat in a way, you know, from, from working with understanding why people want to do what they want to do with tech. That's helped me to also clarify how I make decisions on investment. So I came out saying, all right, I just want to know what it looks like to buy my first NFT. Mm. And I went into Reddit, I was, you know, you sniff out the Reddit boards to find out what's happening, what's not, what to look out for. There's loads of people who tell you what's a spam, what to avoid. So, you know, I thought, okay, Reddit would be a good source. Went in there and I saw someone, you know, they were sharing about their NFTs. It's like, I'm selling this, looking for buyers. This is the first time I've launched my art. I'm like, cool, let me go check you out. So saw them on Reddit and it was the same UID that I saw, user ID that I saw on OpenSea, OpenSea which is marketplace. For those of us who don't know that, it's kind of like your Amazon for NFTs, mm. one of the many Amazons out there for NFTs. And so I went into OpenSea and I saw, oh, I really, I went through, they had maybe eight pieces, this artist, Ocean Life 207, big shout out to them. And I was like, oh, you know, very cool. They created this art. There is no game or anything behind it and I was really attracted to the one particular piece and that allowed me to just make the decision of all right let's see how to what happens when you buy a piece of NFT mm -hmm. and then you learn there's something called gas prices no one you know everywhere as such no one talked about gas prices and suddenly he was like why am I paying $200 for something that costs five <laughs> And, and that's when you start researching. Oh, so there was something else I didn't know. And that was how I taught myself how to buy an NFT. Hmm. And, and then what else is there behind these NFTs? Yeah. I think I think it's definitely interesting. And I mean, first of all, I want to commend you because most people, they, they'll they'll hear about something and then by default, they'll stop. And then the fact that you got hit with the gas fees and then you're like, oh, I never even heard of this thing. And this thing costs more than the product that I'm buying. And then they stop. But for you, again, you're not an early adopter, but you're kind of like you're more vigilant to say, I want to dive into that space and to purchase this to kind of see what the process is so that I can help other people. And I think once people understand what gas prices are and it's not associated 
associated to a gas pump. It's not associated to to like renting something and getting a late fee. Essentially, a gas fee is just a pretty way of saying it's a processing fee. They're charging you a fee to process your transaction, much like what banks and ATMs do. Every time you go to ATM, you put your card in the ATM, you type out, and if it's not your ATM, you have to spend a $2 fee to get that money out. That's a processing fee. Gas fees are essentially processing fees as well. So let's just continue with that story. I mean, now, so you've, you've went to OpenSea, you've purchased an NFT, so you started collecting NFTs. So now that you have the NFT, like, what's the value of it? Like, wh what can you do with it? So with this particular NFT, I be, I realized, oh, I'm actually a collector. I <laughs> never knew that about myself. I don't own a piece of art. There's nothing on my walls that's mine. So, and that's when, I mean, I, I know some artists. I started looking at, you know, who's out there doing stuff about Dali? Can I buy a Dali that's an NFT? I love Salvador Dali. What about Monet? You know, what of Monet? And, and when I started looking at that, okay, maybe not so much because the the prices were really up there, so I'm not going, going to go down that road. And then I started looking at other forms of artwork that were there. And there were some really creative artists, people who were relative unknowns in the art world because they were, their art pieces were hanging in some obscure gallery that you and I probably would not have been into in the last two years. And now they're selling it rapidly. They're selling a piece of digital art that's a replica of the real art that they've created. And they've created this beautiful process where when you buy this digital art, I will send you a picture of the art, not the actual art itself, but a picture of the art mm -hmm. that you can frame and hang on your, on your walls. And a few months down the road, when I release my next art collection, you will be one of the first pieces to actually get the real art, mm -hmm. the actual art in that next collection. I was like, wow, what a great way to grow your following. What a great way to just spread the word out there and there's so much to give as artists we create artists create and they have so much to give and now to just receive be in a position where you can receive i thought that was a beautiful a beautiful flex in the ecosystem of nfts mm -hmm. yeah i think you make a really solid point in and to, to, to comprehend what nfts are and again like there's so many different aspects of it. right now we're just talking about the collection aspect of it but you know whether you were you were raised in the 50s or the 60s or the 80s, 90s or 2000s, at one time or the other, there was some collection of something, whether there was baseball cards, basketball cards, Pokemon cards, and all of these are essentially you're collecting them and you get into like a rare card, like someone that collects Pokemon, they want to collect the rarest Pokemon of all time that has all the powers, all the glitz and glamour, and there's only three of them in existence versus someone wanting to get the first um, rookie card of Babe Ruth or a Michael Jordan rookie card, then you can start to see like having ownership of a card that's so rare, then the value goes up. Taking that definition and transferring it into the digital space, it's exactly the same thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, totally. So one of the key features, if you're out there and you're looking to, you've got some crypto, you want to get some crypto and spend it. The, the, if you're looking to flip your NFTs, you just wear most of us, have, most of them have made their monies in the first and the second waves is by flipping NFTs, buying them low, selling them high, depending on how the market's gone. You're looking for these rarities, right? The, the one of a kind. Because I, I, my second purchase on NFTs was something that had like 5,000 copies of it. So not very clever in terms of an investment. 
But I wanted to see, again, I was testing out the ecosystem. It was a low price. I wanted to see what it was about. What's the hype? But when you buy something that's rare, you know the value gets higher. Now, you could be a collector who just doesn't want to do any trade. You just want this. Cool. You know, it's for your own satisfaction. It's for your own pleasure. Fantastic. But at the same time, if you're looking to trade, you're looking to exchange, you're looking to promote this piece of artwork or this collectible, awesome. There's also an opportunity for you to get on board. Mm -hmm. There are other platforms that do that. And, you you know, one is Veeve, V-E-V-E. And they showcase like your Warner Brothers, your, um, what do you call that, your Aston Martins from your Bond world. And so there are different types of Black Panther. They have different... Even the magazine covers, you right. Remember your um, your DC comics? Mm -hmm. They were so rare. And even then, even now, finding the most rarest copies from back when. So even now you can do that. And in the digital world. So if you ask me with NFTs, it's, it's art imitating life. Mm -hmm. And one of the best questions I got is, why not just get the real painting instead of buying a digital? I said, but how many copies of that are there? You know, how how often are you going to come across a Claude Monet hanging on your walls? I'm not, not in this lifetime. But if I get, I can probably do a jigsaw puzzle. Sure, that will give me the satisfaction. But I don't know, something about having a digital piece of Claude Monet gives me satisfaction. And if it's not your boat, that's totally okay. Find what works for you. Find your flavor as a collector. Mm -hmm. and see if there's a market for you or else go create one yeah and i think you, you brought up a solid point like it's not about necessarily following the trends of just collecting to collect like you have to co first of all collect something that that you would like that if you see value in it then there must be another target audience that sees value in it as well and then you can kind of follow and it kind of goes into like roadmaps and those that don't know what a roadmap is the roadmap for nfts essentially is like telling the story of what the nft could be used for telling the story of where the nft could be down the road or how is the value going to be increased in the next year or six years or even 10 years down the road so actually understanding the roadmap and understanding collecting then you could start to see kind of how the value and again we're only still talking about the collecting side of entities we haven't talked about real estate we haven't talked about like keys and, and we're going to talk about these things as we progress but i just want you to kind of understand like if i say i have a new product and my new product is boston cage podcast when i first started this podcast i was talking about my roadmap i was saying okay in year one we're planning to interview a couple people year two we're going to grow and scale year three it's the same exact philosophy but you're applying it to a digital asset to say hey this piece of art i'm going to be able to sell it now for this price but in the next five years i'm going to do x y and z to make the value of this particular art go up to this price. So then you can see your room to make more money a lot quicker. Yeah, totally. And you know, if you've got, so we talked about the roadmap, we talked about it being a collectible, you know, truly the real value of NFTs is what else can I do with it? You've got a community who are raving fans. When I was young, I loved Elvis, right? Grew up on Elvis. <laughs> And if you told me today that if I bought an NFT for Elvis and that gave me something about something that he did, or maybe a piece of furniture from Graceland, whoa, I'll sign up. I will sell whatever I have, you know? <laughs> we, we, do, we do have you know, people like me. I know I'm not alone. I'm happy to say that. We do have that. And so 
I know that I'm not alone. There are others who are like me. We are raving fans, even if the artist has passed. We we do have these collectibles that are already in the market. You get them on eBay. They get traded on special domains. You have a ready community, and they want to know what else can we do. Is there is there an Elvis concert? Is there an Elvis movie that I'll get a screening to front row seats? Maybe you put me up in a hotel in Vegas or Graceland. I'll show up. Why not? I live in Singapore. It's short flight. We will do it because we're raving fans. So if you've got a strong community, a strong base, NFTs has a strong potential for you. Hmm. So if you're watching, keep watching. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's something else that, that you brought up that that's a, a, a key factor, right? If you are a collector and you have imagined, right, we have so many artists that have lived and created content art that have passed away and the art has grown to where they never could have imagined it being that valuable. Basquiat is one of those people. You know, Basquiat was was a millionaire in his day, but now his pieces of art sells for tens of millions of dollars. But imagine having royalties, right? And that's the thing that art never really had associated to it forever. You would pay for it. You would own it. You could do whatever you want with it. But the original artist would not get royalties from that. And then we had the creation of like the music industry. And the music industry was like the real industry to kind of figure out how to give royalty payments to artists. Because again, they're creating art, music, and then you have royalties. But now in today's world, the NFTs gives us, you can be an artist to create art and then you can eat off the royalties of your art as that art sells and sells and sells and sells again. And for me, as an artist, generally speaking, if you don't understand NFTs, that statement alone should have raised your eyebrow. That statement alone should have made you like your heartbeat should have changed. The rhythm of your heart, you should have almost had like a heart attack in that moment and be like, wait, say that again. And I want you to talk yeah. about that a little bit, like about, about the royalties. Yeah, so imagine this, you know, and this is a particular topic that's of interest to me as well, because we hear about this, right? Artists have missed out on their royalty checks. They, some of them have died poor. They didn't even know that there was this massive fortune that somehow in that whole chain sequence of them producing the music, releasing and performing and putting it out on a, on a single, they didn't get the check. How is that possible? But because of the way blockchain is organized, because the way it's created and it records transactions, everything's permanent. It's a permanent ledger. Hmm. So you can't, it's, how many of us, you know, if you're watching this, I use this example, you've used Excel, you created an entry in Excel and it's a shared file. The next thing you come in, that entry is gone because someone else has come in and edited it and you can't find it freaks you out doesn't it because you know it's like a bit bit of a mind fuck like i thought i put this in where the heck is it but with blockchain the way it's designed it's permanent it's not editable it's not editable so you can see so if i'm an artist and i load up my nfts you know right from the start i'm the creator i own it in a way it protects my ip hmm. and so in using that as a basis and i can start earning the royalties from it so as it sells, I still earn. And that process is called minting, mm -hmm. right? As it sells, I continue to earn. Why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't it be traced back to me? It takes out the middleman. It takes out the confusion. There was an artist who four years ago, I can't remember her name now. She loaded her music onto the blockchain. Mm -hmm. She was one of the first. So it's possible. And with these marketplaces, you can load videos, you can load images, you can load music mp3 files all sorts and we're just at like two percent of what's really possible with nfts at this point yeah 
Yeah. What about you, Essie? Have you bought NFTs? Yeah, yeah. So I started buying um, like visual NFTs because again, I, I'm trying to recreate like my own 10,000 collection. So I got some NFTs in that space. And then I started following particular people to see how they do their launches. And then I also started buying, um, it's another whole aspect of NFTs called like the domains. So I started buying like the Boston Cage domain NFT as well because it only makes sense. Like if I had Boston Cage, I should have the NFT domain. So looking into that space of owning URLs and I want people to kind of go back and think about it as when like the 90s, early 2000s, when people were jumping and buying all these domains and now 20 years go by and they're making thousands of dollars because they had the ownership of these domains. They've been sitting on them for like $5, $10 per year or whatever. But now when you want to buy that particular name because it was a short name, they're selling it for 20000 So now in this whole new space, it's a whole new area of expertise and monetization just on URLs using NFTs as well. Yeah. And, you know, I've not gone into domain space yet because that was like another juggernaut to crack. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that yet. Yeah. But that's fascinating. You know, that's the pos that's what's possible with what we, you know, what we've all experienced where even to the smartest phone device that we have is what the business in the tech world they call Web 2.0. So in fact, you and I using Zoom is part of Web 2.0. Everything that's running on the blockchain is called Web 3.0. Anything related to the metaverse, I would say a metaverse, not the metaverse. The metaverse, NFTs, cryptocurrency, and blockchain, it's all part of that Web 3.0. So with Web 3.0, think of it like we got a kickstart to Web 2.0, mm. and now it's we're living, we're creating a virtual and real map. Mm. So you're starting at the beginning, you get a second break. So it's not a one for one. I've speak, spoken to quite a few business owners. They, the, in their minds is, oh, I have this in my real world. I just want to create something equivalent. And I think that would be, that would be selling yourself short, to be honest. What you want to do is bust out of that cage of realism and really get into that creative space, which is the reason you started your own business. Mm -hmm. and think about what's possible. Because in this new world, what if you could offer your clients a virtual Tesla as part of the NFT because they bought the NFT from you that down the road in that roadmap that SA was talking about, they could get a Tesla and drive that in a metaverse. How mm -hmm. cool would that be? Anything's possible. I mean, this is where we get to really stretch the imagination. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like just... There's, there's so many different avenues of NFTs, and, and I think this will be a good time to kind of segue into it. Like, you talk about monetization. We talked about the art. We talked about the collections, right? We talked about the roadmaps. But I think there's another part of it that is like a hybrid between the real estate and the gaming. And you're talking about metaverse. And there's one game out there that I think is called Atlas Earth. And it was kind of like, you know, not necessarily one of the first platforms, but what it's done, it, it gives you an opportunity to buy real estate in metaverse or which whichever reality you want to call it but at the same time they added a real business model to it like if i buy land in the real world and i put a house on top of that land and then i get somebody to live in that house i could rent out that space to them so think about that in the digital space if i have an opportunity to buy the land underneath the eiffel tower 
and the Eiffel Tower is in the virtual world, then I could pretty much have additional items and charge rent for, for that. And that's what this game is starting to get people to think a little bit differently. Like, well, it's, it's virtual. What, what, what can I do with virtual? Well, imagine in a virtual world if you wanted to become a farmer and then that farm is going to grow a product and that product is going to be sold on a shelf, on a shelf, but then you'll be able to access that shelf in the real world. But the only way to get there is to build that story, to build that timeline and build it in the VR space to get that VR person to realize, wow, I want access to this. And then the only way they can get access to it is they have to be part of that world. So you have the exclusivity of someone being more like, okay, well, I'm the only person to have access to it. Then you start getting into bragging rights and everything else. So have you dibbled in the real estate space at all in, in, in NFTs yet? No, not yet. I've been watching it with much interest. I know that the house in Florida went up on sale through the NFT process. And that was just beginning of this year. And it was pretty, pretty awesome to think, even think about a real estate, actual real estate in the real world. It's now permanently recorded in the NFT world that mm -hmm. that transactions happened. And it went for a pretty penny as well. I think it was something like $600,000, if I remember correctly. And, and so when you think about, you know, in the real world, yes, we know how these transactions happen. And in the, in the virtual space, you can buy land. You can do whatever you want with the land. You can man city, it's a football club in Premier League. They're building the equivalents of the Etihad Stadium, their home turf, in the metaverse. And so what does it mean for their fans, right? They have thousands, not millions of fans globally. What would it mean for their fans to catch their games virtually? Sure. And you get to bring your people together. You get to bring your community together. But it's not just your fans. It's everyone that's part of your ecosystem mm -hmm. all under one roof. Mm -hmm. And then you get to channel them back into your real world, give them that real world experience. So it, people don't get left out. You know, most of, most of your buyers, they're like, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What else can you do for me? Huh. And this is the next possibility. Huh. With, with as a business owner, I've heard this. No, why do I need to do it? it you know, I can. All, I already have a thriving business in the real world. I don't need the virtual world. Awesome. Totally get that. Fair point. What I want to ask is, how many of your clients are in the virtual world? Huh. Because if they're starting to look at the virtual world, they're starting to pay attention to it. Chances are, you may need to. Huh. And that's where, you know, that's really like the opening question. It's not about our preferences. It's never been about our preferences as entrepreneurs. It's not about, it's what your clients want. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Want. I totally agree with you. I think it, it, it's, it's kind of like, I always compare NFTs kind of like if you think of AOL Messenger. When you first heard it, it was like, why would I need that? I could just pick up the phone. And then people started using Messenger and it was just like, okay, well, that's great. But then messaging became social media to a certain point it became a, a, a communication device that in today's world we cannot see ourselves without having access to it and linkedin is a platform that uses messenger twitter is messenger facebook is messenger instagram is messenger TikTok is messenger so think about back in the late 90s or mid 90s that was the dawn of the messaging service that people couldn't understand then and then within 20 years, it became a way of life. And so what we're trying to kind of communicate is like, look at NFTs the same way. Right now, you may not understand it. You keep hearing about it the same way you heard about messaging services. And then eventually it's going to be ingrained in your life. And an example of this is uh, my family and I, we went to a basketball game in like the last 30 days, 45 days. And to your point about real estate, the stadium 
had like if you're used to like pokemon go where you have an app and the app is kind of virtual reality and you're looking for something in this space in this environment i could find a pokemon if i use my phone well the basketball arena that we went to had the same exact thing set up so we're watching the hawks play and while you're in the stadium if you go to get something to drink you go to the bathroom there's an app that allows you to walk around in the stadium and find hawk bucks or whatever they're called and then those hawk bucks allow you to then buy game game shots or headshots of the basketball players or game cards in the nft world so you can kind of see someone that created that was thinking outside the box it was okay let's map out the real estate let's put random gold nuggets in this real estate let's people stay in the environment and interact with them and then at the same time they can actually get images or video clips that nobody else may not have access to and then those video clips could then have value and then they could either sell it for monetary gains or like you said before they could print it out and put it on their wall or use it on their iphone or whatever else they want but it's it's about thinking differently totally you know one of the terms that i share with my clients is gamify you want to gamify the experience people want to go on an adventure they love that why not you know it takes them out of their real world and takes them in whatever great reasons we have for stepping out of the real world and into that virtual space and while they're in your arena let them play they're there to watch a game let them play and they've got a phone we've seen how powerful pokemon go was there were people who got into accidents unfortunately because of them right because they were so focused on acquiring Yeah. on that uh, acquiring that and all these geocaching games they were so effective so effective and now in this new phase it's it's something similar is whether they're in the arena with you or they're in a virtual space with you they could be your online community on facebook they could be a twitter poll that's part of a game that you're creating you know what's your opinion how many of you are doing this hmm. we might be sidetracking here but you know one of the things that i saw today was overnight was this there's this bot from the UK government it's been searching for every company that's hashtagged IWD International Women's Day 2022 and made a tweet about it and then it goes on to say well here's what your gender gap is in terms of pay here's what this business is doing and so it's calling people out now your i'm not saying you call your clients out but what would if you could like make this real time like let them get the real value from your business of what you can do and this is a major flex in so many ways as you think about it one of the things that i i look at is when they come through my door they i want them to start using the service and if they're not using the service it's going to take me an even longer time to get them all warmed up so the first thing i do is book a call get some actions together get a plan together there's a sequence of things that my clients are going to do when they work with me in the first month it's heavy hitting let's make this happen let's lock down the strategy let's test your content let's see what your community's community health is like and start assessing and reviewing that and then let's start talking about what can you do in terms of nfts and then map that out how that launch is going to look build that roadmap so that first month is full on let's roll up the sleeves and make it happen and then we test it not very similar to how you're going to roll out your nfts for your clients to get them to use the service when they get into that habit of using playing the game they don't even realize they're playing the game they just know damn i'm hooked yeah 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 <laughs> i totally agree with you i mean it goes back to like the rewards i mean we've seen the rewards a million times whether if i get 
a hole punched in because I bought five dozen donuts in the past three weeks or whatever. Then I get a free box of donuts. It's, it's the same exact principle. The only difference is you don't have that tangible object of that card. Now you're in the virtual space. So instead of doing a hole punch for it, maybe in proximity of your store, every time someone drives by, if they collect a floating donut outside the door and they can collect one donut per day. And as they get 20 donuts, then they can come in and get a discount for that donut. And that's the way to look at it. It's kind of like you're keeping them around your, your location you're including the gamification and then you're rewarding them for doing it over a period of time and by default what are they going to do that's when you get into like the social social media aspect of marketing to say hey check this out check this game out i got a free donut today how did you get a free donut today well i just drove by on my way to work every single day and every time i drove by i just stopped and, and picked up a, a random virtual donut and i did that for five days and at the end of the week i got a free donut it's as simple as that if you look at it from that from that aspect Exactly, exactly. So, you know, the you, you don't need to be on your premises to do this. Mm -hmm. The item is there, it's digitized, it communicates into your systems. So you know how many donuts, virtual donuts have been picked up by your customers. And by the end of the week, you know how many donuts you're going to give out for free or at a discounted price. Yep. Freaking awesome business model right there. Why not? And <laughs> marketing is paid for. You've got your customers saying, hey, I, I just... And, and you can put it into the game, post it on social media and tag us that you got your donut for the day because that's how we measure it. Yeah. And this is what yeah. creates the natural marketing sequence for you, not having to pay for anything. And I think, I mean, this is on topic, right? But I mean, looking at it from that standpoint, like right now in the world, people are paying Amazon and paying YouTube and paying LinkedIn for their ad campaigns to strategize and figure out who's nearby. But I guess once you have those people, you may not have their email addresses, but they may come in, scan a QR code, download the app. And then once they download the app, then by default, you're going to require them to give you an email address. And that's what you're really paying Facebook and all these other platforms for is to get direct access to that user. So you could own that user. So not only do you own the user, but if you create a platform that could track that user's like how frequently are they coming by your store? Like that's golden. Facebook can't tell you that. Facebook yeah. can only target them. But imagine you can say, you know what? These these 10 people, they pass by our store three o'clock every single day on queue and they pick up donuts on a regular basis. That is inside information that way you can target them directly and communicate with them and maybe even set up to do larger parties or a larger giveaways for those individual people. And you're building the lifetime value of that customer so much more ingrained by telling them their story through their actions of them playing on this NFT based game. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I'll put my hand up for donuts. What about USA? <laughs> if it has bacon on it, sign me up. Oh, all right. I won't fight you for that one. <laughs> if you haven't had it, you got to try it, man. Maple, bacon, donuts are the, are the truth. <laughs> so All right. this is a recap. So we, we talked about the general NFTs. We, we talked about roadmaps. We talked about um, real estate a little bit. I think the only thing we haven't really dove into would be like keys, accessing keys. And this is kind of something like that's really close to people like us, like our digital marketers and we have clients or we may have potential clients that want to get access to our time or access to our information using NFTs as a model to do that is very um, successful. I've, I've seen like, you know, a couple bigger names that have done it well and think about it. A lot of times we'll pay for a course, we'll pay for our Academy and 
will get that academy, we'll get that course. We may or may not even access the academy. We may not even access the course, but now attaching an NFT to it, something that's visual, something that's on your blockchain, something that essentially has value. And if you don't use it, this is where the money is. If you don't use that course, you don't use that academy, it still has value. Now you could resell it. You could resell that access key. And that changes the dynamics of course development and course strategies completely. Because before you couldn't really sell access. You bought the access and you were stuck with it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know like Gary V rolled out his NFTs. I mean, I'm sorry, Gary V's NFTs are his hand drawings. I was like, man, I could have done way better than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and he released, I can't remember how many of them. And what he gave was free pass to his annual event mm-hmm. in the U.S., Right. And at certain NFTs, if I remember correctly, gave one-on-one sessions with him. Quick meeting with Gary. All of this, you can create a lot more exclusivity, exclusivities as long as you create like different tiers with your NFTs. And so now you can start spreading them out. Like if you're going to roll out, you won't roll out 10,000 at one time. You roll out 300 first. Test what the market appeal is. See what people are saying. You know, is this something of value? Is the price increasing? Are they trading frequently? You're monitoring the stats. And then in a second phase, you might have a different collection of NFTs that come out that offers different privileges or access to you. Whether you're an influencer or your business owner, or even you're a coach, I've seen coaches now start putting NFTs together with their programs. And you don't have to run your, your coaching communities on Discord. I don't like Discord personally. Mm-hmm. You could keep to Facebook. That's totally fine. But you've got you've got the opportunity to create that exclusivity. If you have raving fans, they want to go all the way with you. And when you're releasing your NFT and it's at the lowest price at, to mint, they will come on board and they'll be the ones hyping it up. So this, to to me, the we've like I said earlier, we've just barely cracked this. We've just barely cracked this. So far, I've seen sports community. The most recent one was where they raised funds in 30 seconds, a million dollars for Ukraine relief. This, you know, they brought together 37 artists across the world to raise these funds. So it's not only limited to business. If your business has a not-for-profit that you support, you can say 10% of these proceeds are going, my royalties are going Mm. to this to this not-for-profit, why not attach charity calls to your programs, to your offerings? And I think that's where this ecosystem gets really beautiful and rich as a result. Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes back to like the royalty models. And, and, and just to kind of dive into that just a little bit, I mean, imagine you created an NFT and the NFT is $10, right? And you set your royalty at 10%. So that NFT sells, you mint it, 10 bucks, you get a dollar of of those royalties. Now, let's say a a year goes by or five months go by and going back to the the definition of a roadmap, let's say that NFT is going to be included in a movie or in a video game or in some, like you're saying, access to an event. Well, let's say you can't attend that event and those tickets for the event are now worth $5,000. You bought the NFT for 10, now essentially you can sell it for 5,000. When that NFT sells for 5,000, the original owner, which would be me who created an NFT, then I'll get 10% of the 5,000, not 10% of the original 10. And then let's say if it's an, uh, uh, an annual pass, you get access for life. 
this say next year that same event is now going for ten thousand. So I sold it for five thousand and I made the ten percent. And then that same NFT gets sold again for ten thousand. Then the original owner, I get another. So you can kind of see. Imagine you create ten thousand NFTs and they're all selling every single day. They're selling. And they're trading like cards. They're trading like stock. The value goes up. The value goes down. It stays level. It's bull. It's beer. Whatever it is. But at the end, all be all, you as the creator, for the first time in history, you're getting royalties on all of it. Yeah. And this is what I call perpetual income. Mm. This is a perpetual income stream. As long as you're able to, and, you know, coming up to this point of why some NFT projects fail mm. is because the roadmap is not sustainable. And they got to pull the rug on them because they can't create. There are some that were spams or, you know, scams rather. And therefore, there was a rug pull that came along with it, unfortunately. But you want to check whether you're investing in one or when you're creating one. Mm -hmm. What's your roadmap? And is it sustainable? Is it possible? Are you promising? You don't want to get into a situation where you're over-promising and under-delivering. That's going to devalue your NFT. And you want to create a community that really understands and rallies around you as you're building out this roadmap, creating the creating that in the real or virtual world. And as a result, the price of your NFT will go up. Whether you use the, 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 the parts of the token or not, you know, whether you're, you're able to use the entitlements, the price of that NFT will grow up, uh, will go up. And each year you can update that contract. All right, you've been with us for three years. You've held on to this NFT. You're the original owner. Great. We're going to upgrade the contract and give you something else for the next three years. Mm -hmm. Damn, you know. This is how you, in the coaching world, we call this clients for life. Yeah. These are clients for life. They, they're going to talk about you. Hmm. And this, these are, yeah, this just spitballing some ideas here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want people to, like, to really dive into that. I mean, again, some people, in today's world, NFTs are really big with investors. And, and here's the reason why, right? Because investors understand market. They understand market caps. They understand market values. They understand buy and hold. They understand buying at wholesale. And that's the point of the matter. Like, so we haven't talked about whitelisting yet, and this would be a good opportunity to talk about whitelisting. Whitelisting essentially is nothing more than giving a user access to pre-sales, okay? So it's kind of like if I'm buying a house and I can say, okay, I can go up to the bank and be like, okay, I know you have a list of foreclosures. May I see your foreclosure list before you take that foreclosure list to public? By seeing the foreclosure list before it goes to public, there's no bidding wars. There's no um, I, I, $5 here, $10 here, $20. None of that goes out the window. Then I can look at the banker and say, hey, I'll give you 100000 for this house. This house is worth 300000 It's a foreclosure. Let me get it off your books. It's the same thing with NFTs. So if you get on a whitelist, it'll give you access to getting the NFTs at the cheapest value they will ever be, right? As a creator, I can set my price. So I'm saying this is the value I think it is right now. And my roadmap is then going to delegate where it's going to be. If you buy it now, as the roadmap continues, the value increases and investors, they understand, wow, if I buy for 10, sell for 20, it's 100%. Yeah. It's easy money. So that's why investors are diving into this space because they could buy and flip, buy and flip all day, all night. So if you understand buy and hold, then you could understand NFTs as far as a business revenue making model. And, and do you have anything to add on that? No, I know that that's a great, great way of explaining it. For me, the you know, I I do see the hype that comes yeah. as a result of that. So some projects they got overly inflated and now they've come down in value. Mm -hmm. The you know, one of the projects that came out in wave two was this chap in Indonesia who 
posted 990 something pictures of himself over uh, a period over. of five years. Yeah. Right. And he made a million dollars. He made a million dollars out of them. Mm-hmm. And so they went up as high, I think, was, was it 0.3 or went up as high as one ETH? Mm-hmm. It's about, I want to say, 3,000 US. Correct. I could get it wrong. Yeah. And now they, they, he has about 300 of them left that he can't sell. Mm-hmm. And, and as an investor, that's a piece of NFT. Bless him. I love what he did. He took mm-hmm. a chance and he made his money. Bless him. Yeah. Right. Great. He he took the risk. As an investor, if I bought into that project, I can't do anything else with it. Mm-hmm. So get when you if you're new to this, get really picky. Get really picky, which is why we keep going back to the roadmap. You want to see what else can I do with it? Is it yeah. a game? I'm not a fan of games. I don't enjoy online games. But what else? If it's a game and they give me something else, I might be tempted to buy it because I have mm-hmm. nephews and nieces I could pass it on to. Why not? Yeah, I think we, we could do we could do a whole course workshop on like the variables of that. Like, if Kanye drops an NFT tomorrow, would it be a million dollars? Probably, right? Because that's more the influencer route, right? If you have an NFT with like this guy, the random guy that created those, and he was kind of like the anomaly. And to your point, he sold maybe two thirds. He made a million dollars, and the rest he can't really sell because he didn't have a, a roadmap to support it. But if he then took the notoriety of what he was doing and became an influencer, then that could be the transitional point to where now he has clout, he has people following him, and his NFTs, you know, kind of like Gary V. Gary V could come out and say whatever he wants about any NFT, and it's going to sell out because he has that notoriety in the industry to talk about things that people like. I want to be part of it, no matter what it is. So that's that's the variable to it. Like, are you famous? If you're not famous, then build a roadmap. The roadmap yeah. is going to assure the investors that, okay, this person has business background. They at least understand the value of it, right? Or are you doing kick-ass art that someone looks at it and like, oh, my God, I want to own it. I don't want to sell it. I want to own it. I want to own it and hold on to it. And that's the way to think about it. If you're good at art, then create that. If you're not good at art and you're good at business, then create a strategy, create a roadmap. And then you could do the other guy thing and create something random and wish for the sky, but I'm not going to advise you to do that because, again, nine out of ten are going to fail at that at that strategy. Oh, oh yeah. You've got to be really unique now because that's that play has already been made a few times. Yeah. So if you're coming into the NFT space, they talk in terms of utility. What's the purpose mm-hmm. behind your NFT? It must have a purpose. And that purpose creates the roadmap. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, where are you taking people on? this journey, this adventure, where are you taking them to? What are they going to get to do with you as a result of having this access through the NFT? And the roadmap tells them what it's about. Now, to an investor, that's what they're going to look at. If you go to Shark Tank, they'll ask you, how many people do you have already in your client base? Right? What's the plan? And what's your ask? Hmm. Or how much of equity? So, and that's pretty much what an investor is going to do. So whether you buy, you get people coming who want to invest and flip it or real hardcore fans who are going to go with you all the way. Either way, your roadmap is going to take care of either of them. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think the, about, go ahead. I, I, you know, I appreciate what you said about the, the chap in Indonesia. Like he could have used that opportunity to flip it, you know, to really change the course on where he wanted to take it. And if someone had given him this, you know, I, I say, if only my hindsight was my foresight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's If someone had given him that piece of information, like, you can pivot. 
you've got the clout, you've got the rise, you've got the minutes. following, yeah, you can pivot. Yeah. Yeah. Make that pivot. So wherever you are, it doesn't matter how big or small your client base or your following is, mm. get cracking, get build, start building that hype. One question I get from people who want to launch an NFT project is, you know, I'll wait till I've built everything and then I'll start building the community. And I'm like, that's the worst thing you can do. Hmm. That is the worst thing you can do. Get your community started. Start with five friends who are absolutely mad for anything that you would say. Start there and then start adding people to this chat group, to this Telegram group, to a Facebook group. I don't care where you put them. Put them together somewhere because they're not just going to start pumping you up when you need it. They're also going to follow you through that journey and they're going to start bringing people in. Yeah. And build that, help you build that community. Build a community first before you start building anything, really. Have that community up front. And they, they are your ready buyers. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. With, totally agree with you. I mean, as, as far as like media, I mean, going back to Gary V, Gary V built up his community from wine, right? He was, he was a wine connoisseur through his dad. And he, you know, he brought that million dollar business as a multi million dollar business. And that, that was his claim to fame. And he took that claim to fame and built it into a monster following. Like everyone, Gary Vee is the only person I know that can come on probably national TV and curse and probably not get beat every five minutes. Like, and, and they'll be like, okay, it's Gary, right? And, and he has that enough clout, but you have to understand like the power of media. And that's what we're really talking about. Oprah could be the, do the same thing. Tony Robbins could do the same thing. Kanye West can do the same thing. And they're all in separate, different media. But again, collectively, the definition of it is just their media moguls. All of them are. And they've understand like they have their core niches and their niches in those space, but they're using them all exactly the same. And I want you to yeah. really stop and think about them, compare them and look at what they've done and look how they've expanded into multiple other avenues through their media outlet that they started in originally. Yeah. You know, um, what I love about what you said is really it's there's not just one person or what one industry, like the, it's not just the artists who are going to get to benefit from this from this new Web 3.0. It's every one of us and how, how we strike the match is what's going to matter to us. Mm-hmm. The If you're an author, turn your book cover into an NFT mm-hmm. and create the community around it, especially if you're prolific author people know about your work you mentioned jk rowling she's going to put up the next book she issues an nft we will buy it and because it's going to get us into a zoom call with jk we get to get see her do a live reading Mm -hmm. who wouldn't want to be there Mm -hmm. you've got she's got that ready fan base who who want to do these you know they want to go on a journey with her or maybe even offer a first draft you know with a a first peek at the manuscript that's any publisher's dream, right? The first peek at the manuscript and because you have an NFT and there's only maybe seven pieces of this NFT available from J.K. Rowling, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you make a bid for it? Yeah. That's where this game gets a bit more fun. It's really a game. It's a game. I, agree. I totally agree with you. I mean, looking at it from like the marketing strategy, the marketing aspect of it, I think Gary has done this as well too. It's kind of like there's two ways of doing it. Hey, if you want to get access to my NFTs, I need you to purchase this many books, <laughs> right? 
to get access, you need to purchase 20 books and you keep one, you give away the other 19. That's a hell of marketing strategy right there. And the books and the NFTs are both paying for each other. And the other one is like, if you want access to my new book before it gets released to the general public, then buy this NFT at this level and you'll get my book 30 days before a public release. So not only do you have notoriety, but you have bragging rights. And obviously people will, what if someone shares it? Well, I mean, you already own it. So again, if they share it, all they're doing is marketing for you. There's no real negative marketing in that space. If someone in, in the music industry, it worked the same way. Think about it for the past 20 years. When Napster came out, it was like, oh my God, like we're not making any royalties off of music. And then what did Apple do? Apple's like, okay, this is how you make royalties off of music through digital space. You charge them a dollar per song. And some people got it, some people didn't, but it's at the point now, I think revenue-wise over the past 20 years, Apple has made at least probably close to like half a billion dollars worth of revenue from selling music online. Yeah. It's, a, it's adapting to the situation and understanding the business model and seeing the opportunities. Don't knock the opportunity. And I'm saying don't knock NFTs because you don't understand it. Figure out how to understand it or figure out someone that can understand it for you. Bring them into your circle. Let them educate you enough so you can kind of figure out, well, am I a collector? Do I want to collect? Am I more of a stock person? Do I want to buy and hold? Am I more of a real estate person? Do I want to buy it and build? Like figure out where you fit because NFTs are not just one thing. They're profound in multiple different attributes. Yeah. Yeah. And it all depends on the community that you're attracting into your world. In, and where they want to go with you. It's not about where they are right now. It's where they want to go with you. And if you think about that, I think that's a great place to start. You can go anywhere. It's up to you to decide. Because right now, we are still at the early stages of the NFT space. Mm-hmm. So you can design and decide, take advantage of the fact that we are not fully baked yet and take them on that journey with you. Take them for a ride. Maybe they get a piece of land in the virtual world. Mm-hmm. Why not? Because they've signed up with you. And then and you've made them, uh, given them different tiers of NFTs to bid at. That's a possibility. One of my favorite things to say is if at most you've helped a grandma create legacy for her grandchildren to say, all right, this is something I'm leaving with you as part of the inheritance. You get my NFTs. And I want you to work with this creator. I want you to work with this business person, with this marketing guru, with this author, with this coach. Because they're good and I've vetted them. I've had, I've had someone vet them and I know and I understand I've made the investment for you. And she minted it and now that's part of her estate inheritance. Why not? There's so many ways to play this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think I think a couple of things just to, to, to round it out. I mean, I think we met, men, mentioned ether a couple of different times, and I think somebody probably would have heard that word, and it probably would just be like, well, ether is that like something from Marvel universe? Like, what what is ether exactly? And just to kind of you know, everyone is so familiar with cryptocurrency, blockchain as terminologies that they comprehend, but they don't realize that inside of those are like the general statements. So inside the blockchain, there's many other blockchains. Bitcoin is one of many cryptocurrencies. So when we say Ether, Ether is essentially the cryptocurrency that's associated with NFTs. It's kind of like if I go to Chuck E. Cheese, I'm going to take my real money and then I'm going to give them that money and then they're going to give me the Chuck E. Cheese coins. That's the Ether. I'm, I'm, I'm transitioning U.S. currency into this Ether. And that Ether is what I use to then purchase the NFTs. So I think for you, like we want to talk about maybe wallets a little bit, like, because I think that's something that people just yeah. don't understand. Like 
well, okay, I have money. I want to get into the space. Like, where do I get these coins and where do I hold them in? What do I do with them? Yeah, cool. So if you're starting out in the crypto space, you need crypto or you could use um, US dollars to buy mm. NFTs. If you're looking to invest, you do need crypto to list your first NFT for sale. So you ultimately end up buying crypto. And we talked about gas prices earlier. Whenever you transact on the blockchain, you pay. So have enough crypto to cover that. Typically in the NFT space where the biggest marketplace is OpenSea.io, there are now others that have come, come along. And OpenSea trades on the Ethereum blockchain. So they use Ether ETH as their currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're going to buy ETH directly from the marketplace. You can get them on Coinbase. That's where I bought them from. And Coinbase has its own virtual wallet that you can store on your phone. And I transferred them to my Coinbase wallet, moved them onto the OpenSea platform, and then transacted using that. It connects, or I wouldn't say I moved them, but it connected to my Coinbase wallet, virtual wallet. And that's where I made the transactions when I when I was purchasing it. The You also need a hard wallet. And because for security reasons, and I'm so glad that I got mine. I got mine from Nano, I think it's the Nano S. I can't find the brick at the moment. It's actually a physical wallet that got shipped to me. And the way I get to move the, my coins from my soft wallet to my hard wallet, it's pretty much like how you back up your data to an external hard disk. It's the same way. It's a USB plug-in and it's encrypted. It requires you to remember 12 different keywords Anything on the blockchain seems to require that, that you have 12 different keywords. And that's how if you need to unlock because you got hacked or you forgot your password, you get to access that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how you set yourself up for to be safe, to protect your investments. On your Coinbase wallet, you, I also can see my, my purchases of my NFTs. So you've got the full listing there. I also have another wallet called MetaMask. That seems to work a bit better, but I found the integration a little more clunky. And you can use these wallets on almost any other platform. There's the Solana marketplace. There's one that I found, which is the NFT Stadium. And they're talking about, you know, um, filling up seats. They, uh, sorry, they, they deal with fans. They're, they're based for fans. So what you're doing with your NFTs is you're connecting the marketplace with the wallet. And you can do this online or on your phone. But you do want to have a hard wallet just to protect your coins. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is a, the, like, and I like to like, I love, I love the, your definition. And, and again, I just want to take pieces of the definition and, and, and even make it even more layman for someone that's like the first time hearing about this, right? A wallet essentially is, is the, the definition of what it is. It is, is a container that holds your currency in it. But in the crypto space, it's, it's a virtual wallet. And when she's talking about soft versus hard, well, the hard wallet is like taking your money and putting it in, in the bank. But you have access to go to your lockbox in the bank. But keep in mind, if you lose your key to your lockbox, then you don't have access to that anymore. And that's the, the, the drawback between the soft and the hards. The hards are very secure because they're on you. They're with you. Nobody else has access to it. And it's going to be hard for them to, to break that encryption or hack into it if it's a physical device on you versus being in a remote space like the internet. But the issue is if you do lose that or if it you know falls in a microwave by accident or it you know falls in a cup of water, 
then you pretty much have to go through a lot of different scenarios to try to figure out how to get access yeah. again. Um, and another thing too that 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 I wanted to kind of bring up with um, the wallets, you brought up MetaMask, right? So MetaMask is the name of a wallet. Um, Coinbase is the name of a wallet. Um, Rainbow is another name of a wallet. So there's so many different wallets out there. You could easily just go to Google and type in <coughs> NFT wallets, crypto wallets, um, Ether wallets. And in addition to Ether, another thing that they have, so crypt crypto is at the top, Ether is secondary, and then even under Ether, there's another one called Poly. And I'm not saying this to confuse you, but I'm just saying there's a hierarchy. Crypto is probably the most secure because it's the granddad. Ether is a little bit newer and Poly is on top of Ether. And the reasons that they all exist, it really comes down to the gas fees, right? And so Poly essentially does not really have gas fees associated to it. Ether has gas fees because everyone in their mom is using the system to mint their NFTs. So supply and demand. The more people all go to a website and try to mint something at the same time, the way minting works is that on a global scale, let's say there's a million computers, all these million computers are going to get this data to say, hey, someone is purchasing this NFT. We want you to verify this purchase. All the million computers will hit, and then one of those com out of those million computers will verify and add it to the blockchain. And every time something's added to the blockchain, it becomes indisputable because it's on the blockchain and all the computers are verifying it at the same time. So that's the beautiful aspect of the blockchain. But unfortunately, people have to get paid. And this is where you start to you hear people about farming or crypto farms and all this stuff. This is that's that mining side of the business, the, the mining side of it. So just understanding, like you don't have to understand how that works. But I'm just defining it so if you hear this terminology again, you could kind of be like, okay, I, I think I got a gist. I kind of understand that. And just a little tip as far as minting, what I've learned is between 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. U.S. time, Eastern Standard Time. Drastic difference when it comes to minting. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. I haven't found that. I haven't found a software that tells me actual gas prices on on OpenSea yet in real time, it's the 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 soonest I got was I think an hour the, the one hour before. So as soon as I see something that's of value that I know can help you to make real time decisions, I'll shoot that to your followers to you. You can share that with your followers because I think it's important to know that you can get lost. I won't deny it. it can feel overwhelming. Even just listening to us probably on this podcast, it's a bit overwhelming. What I'll say is. For starters, before you even decide to buy or create your own, go buy an NFT just for the kicks. Kick a few tires, see how this thing runs. Yep. And, and when you take it for a spin, okay, you, you get into the ecosystem, you know what you're doing. You can make decisions, sound decisions. And there are, if there are gaps, you can come back to, you know, boss and cage, you probably have another session like this, like what's the next step? Mm -hmm. And that, that's where you get to grow the muscle as well. So Kick yeah. that, kick those tires, go out there, get a soft, a soft wallet that we talked about, get some crypto, go into OpenSea or any other where you find that, oh, there's a collectible that I want. Cool, make your purchase. And just watch out for gas prices. Those are the ones that are going to catch you. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say I definitely could cover her. I mean, it's first thing is just get a wallet, just do, like she's saying, do a Google search, find the wallet. And then all you have to do is connect that wallet. You can connect it to, to PayPal if you want to, to transfer currency in it. And then once you have that money in, go to OpenSea and t it's a search engine like anything else. So type in a word. If you like dogs, type in dog. 
And then just like any other search engine, there's highs and lows in value. So you can say, hey, I want to sort this by the lowest price. And you'll be surprised. You may see something. And this is where you're going to have to kind of train your mind. You're going to see zero dot zero 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 one sometimes. And you're like, is this thing less than a penny? No, that's ether. And we're saying ether generally one ether is about one three thousand. So that point zero 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 maybe that's two dollars transitionally. But the thing is, is once you click on it, it'll tell you how much it is in your currency. And then if you have enough ether or enough currency to make that purchase, if you don't, the good thing is the system will tell you, Hey, you need to transfer some more ethers. And this is where there's a gray space. Cause as you're transferring money, like she was saying before, there's fees, there's fees going and there's fees coming. It's just like stock. Every time you buy a stock, they're going to try, they're going to charge you a transaction fee. Every time you sell a stock, they're going to charge you a transaction fee. So always keep that in mind. It's like you're buying and selling stock. So there's going to be fees on both ends. Yeah, totally. And let us know how you go. You know, um, the, your wallets, what you buy on the uh, marketplace, I can see that. That's visible to me. If I go into your profile, I can see what's in your, your collection, what I call your NFT wallet on OpenSea. Mm -hmm. But I can't see what's in your virtual wallet on Coinbase, for instance, at Coinbase wallet. I won't be able to see that unless you share that with me. Do not share that with anyone. But yeah, and and I think, I feel like we've done a pretty good show of just walking yeah. through all the various examples. I'm curious if people have questions, what they think about the show, drop them in the comments. Would love to hear from, from anyone who's watching this. Uh, While I take a sip of my cafe. Yeah. I'm just checking because I like all these damn monitors. I'm trying to see if anyone is watching on a particular platform anywhere. We were talking about the one button. I just need one button. <laughs> one big red button to do it all. It would be nice. It would definitely be nice. No, nope, I don't see anyone there. The good thing about this is that now, now we can kind of share it and reuse this content and, and, you know, yeah, it's, it's good to talk about the stuff and bounce these ideas off of. And I think the more and more we do this, the more and more people are, somebody is eventually going to raise their hand as, you know, it may be a minute 15 minute 65 and they'd probably be like, you said something and, and, and like, I need more information about that. And that's what we're really talking about is like, ask the question so you can get the answers so you can comprehend it. Cause exactly. the last thing you want to do is be essentially left behind in the world. That's essentially going to be a hundred percent digital, like the whole digital age thing. Well, it, it, it's, it's here. It's now. It's, yeah. We are in it. Yeah. We're in it. Yeah. And if you've found great value in this, please share that with at least three friends of yours or anyone, you know, in your network. Share, share this with them, spread the word. The NFTs are happening and, they, and we hope that these ideas have, have triggered other creative ideas within you. And yeah. yeah, give us a shout. Let us know where you are at. If you are make your first purchase of NFTs, you realize that you're a collector, you realize that you actually have medium risk like me. Hey, I'm looking for, I'm looking for people. I'm always looking for people, just like SA. <laughs> yeah yeah I, 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 think, I mean like my, one of my key takeaways from from this this talk that you know we were just kind of throwing ideas out there but the whole donut thing it was like a real world example of like something that could work for us like when somebody asks you i'm a small business owner i have a location how the hell am i gonna use nfts that is a case announcement is right there that you know we can turn those donuts into massaging oils we can change those donuts into marijuana we can change those donuts into anything you want and just have people drive by your store pretty frequently to pick them up and build their their reward points really yeah 
every Friday, Friday, let them pick up a bacon filled donut, <laughs> an SA donut. Yes. <laughs> Maple bacon, to be exact. Maple bacon. I'm sorry, I missed that. <laughs> well, it's cool. I mean, any, anything like you want to close out with? Any last comments or or, or or questions or anything that you want to put on the table before we close out? Yeah, sure. You know, the way I look at this is, I have an 83 year old mother. How would I help her to get on board with NFTs? How would I explain this world to her? When my mom was able and able to make decisions on her own, this is how I would describe the world to her. I would show her the world. And it would be mind-blowing to her because she's a person who had to travel on a ship to get from India to Singapore. Mm -hmm. And when she went back to India to see her parents, she flew on a plane for the first time. Mm -hmm. She saw the dawn of the escalators, the moving stairs. Right, So this is a woman who's seen the change in history technologically, in engineering. She gets to marvel at everything. Huh. So what I would say is through this process, you're going to feel the fear, but get through it anyway. And I would say marvel through what you're experiencing, how you're, wow, look at how cool is this. I figured it out. This is so fun. I want you to take those moments with you. You know, really like appreciate them and anchor them. Because as you make stepping your way through new technology, it can get overwhelming. It can get like, what's what is this? Can someone just explain this to me? And know that you've already made breakthroughs. You've already had those moments where, oh, check me out. And keep doing that. And keep doing that. I hope that helped. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would love to see my mom pull up her her, her iPhone and show me an NFT that she's purchased. Now, like my right? mom, she is so antiquated to, to to her world and her bubble. But if she ever came to me with an NFT on her phone and she made that purchase <laughs> herself, I would probably shit on myself in that moment and be like, "Holy, what the hell is the world coming?" Your mom needs to be on your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the I mean, true boss. That's the OG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's the OG. Yeah, so like, mom, you're probably listening. If you are listening to this episode, go go and figure out how to how to you know buy an NFT. I, I would like to see you buy an NFT. Yeah, totally. I want to watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think solid way to close out, man. Uh, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show today. I think like doing like these talks like this, where you know we have like two like-minded people on a particular topic, and we're just going back and forth. And, and again, for people that are new to this space. You have two people that are like knee deep in this space. So reach out, communicate, let us help you, guide you in the right direction, point you in, in any anything that we've said that, that resonates with you, raise your hand, talk to us, communicate with us. And the beautiful part is we're on the opposite end of the world. We're, we're like a 12 hour difference. So when I'm sleeping, she's awake. And when she's awake, I, you know, it's vice versa. So definitely just get this thing rolling. <laughs> and I would love to see what NFTs people are creating or purchasing. Oh. Yeah, tag us on your projects. I would love to to see that. Tag me on Twitter or anywhere else in the social media verse. So I want to see what you guys are getting up to. Well, go good. Drop drop your website and your handle so people know how to get in contact with you. Cool. Yep. Right now in the chat or this is oh, you've got the deet. All right. So um, follow me on Linktree, linktr.ee slash Jenny Vaz, and you'll get all my deets on where I'm at. And that's how you find, you know, all my social media handles. So that's the best place to get to. Linktree slash Jenny Bass. Yep. And she's pretty active on TikTok, too. I watched some of your TikTok videos. It's kind of <laughs> TikTok is where it's at to kind of get the new fast content. TikTok is like the new visual Twitter. So by all yeah. means, get up, sign up, and, yeah. and, and we'd love to see what you're doing. S.A. Yeah. Grant, over and out. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.